among all the things that we do as, as Christians, uh, one thing we over overstress, I think, sometimes is this statement, uh, uh, don't do as, as I say or do as I do, but do the right thing. But uh, it's, there's an interesting kind of puzzle that's presented in some of Paul's writing to the churches, and we want to explore that this morning and, and uh, see if we can find just some of the things he's talking about. And I, I would direct you to uh, Philippians, this letter to the church at Philippi, and the fourth division of that. Paul writes there about uh, his life and what it means to be a Christian and what kind of life that person who calls himself a Christian should live. And then he makes a statement that is at first a little puzzling. It, it occurs a number of places in his writings, not just in uh, Philippians, but also in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, two or three places, and, um, and in Colossians as well. And in that he, he talks about this concept of, of that if you don't have a Bible or there's no other kind of written material for you or something laid out formally for you on what the Christian life is. Uh, if you have a problem with that, just do as I do. Let's read that. And I begin with the uh, with fourth verse of the fourth division of Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren... Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. And those things which ye have both heard and received and heard and seen in me do. Let me read that last part again. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. In doing some research and background on these scriptures, I, I uh, encountered several uh, other writers and uh, scholars and, and especially some, some sermon material. And evidently what comes to surface here in, in reading the synopsis of that is that Paul is saying to the, to the other Christians in Philippi and, and in Corinth when he writes to them with the same thing, the same motif, that if you don't have a Bible, if you don't have a, a, some sort of formal kind of outline on how to live the Christian life, you can do as I do. 
emulate me. You can copy my lifestyle, is what he's saying. That's a little bit scary, it seems to me. But that's what he says. Can you imagine a situation in, in which that would be true? Let's explore it for a moment. How many of you have your Bibles with you? Well, put a, put a marker where you have it there and close it, please. And just put it down. Okay, now look around. Turn around. Turn, look at folks. Turn around look at folks. The people you're looking at now are going to give you, they're going to be your example on what a Christian life is about. They're your Bible, in other words, on Christian living and Christian lifestyle. Look at them. Some of you don't even want them. You don't want to do that, do you? <laughs> Look across the, the auditorium and see that some person that you didn't like to start with or they did something wrong to you or, uh-huh. Look across there and see that old biddy that said some bad things to you? Uh-huh. That is the book that you are going to copy. And incidentally, the congregation has the book. You can open it back up now. But you see what the folks outside the building, all that populace out there, they don't have the book every day. And they are reading you. They are reading you. Who are you? What defines you? What is it about your lifestyle that separates you from the crowd? What is it that delineates you from the way others live? Speech, concepts, actions? How does that all weigh? So we're going to talk about that this morning because I think it's important to us to understand that what goes on here is that most of the people we meet outside the circle of, of the redeemed that come here, what is called the body of Christ, they don't have the book and they don't read it if they have it. You are the book. You are the book. And who are you? Who am I? Not just my history that uh, is not anything much to talk about, but what, not much, just my history, but other things as well. What is it that characterizes Russell Willis? Well, if you want to start back early, I grew up in a little small mining town high on the mountains of the, of the Mogollon Mountains in southern New Mexico. My father worked in the mines. About 3,000 of them worked in the mines in those days, just preceding World War II. And they would go into the mines before daylight and come back after dark. I remember that well. And then we moved to Southern California before the war started. And I entered high school. My grandfather on my mother's side was a Baptist pastor, and I wanted to be that too. And God had touched my heart as a young lad with that kind of a, 
of a calling, and sure enough, I tried my best to start that kind of life. In high school, I was a less than average student. I never recall mother or dad ever asking me if I had my homework. They were not scholastically inclined. Wonderful parents, precious memories, but they never asked me about my studies, and I didn't do very well in most classes that if I liked it, I did well. If I didn't like it, I didn't hardly pass it at all. I tell the folks the happiest three years of my life was in the second grade. <laughs> and I graduated from high school well below the middle class of them. But God had called me to preach, I thought, and that's what I wanted to do. And I did it the first time when I was 16 years old, a, a youth meeting, you know. They asked me to, to do the sermon while I studied for three or four weeks and had enough material for about three hours, and uh, like Scott does, you know. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I ran out of soap in about five minutes when I got up there. I persevered, and when I finished high school, went to Pacific Life College for two years. That's a Bible college in Southern California, and began my ministry. Went to a small little mission church in West Texas. I'd married the princess. Changed my life. I began there. Three boys came. Later on, I moved to Mississippi. I was in construction, what we call bivocational pastor, and uh, doing construction as well, and doing well with that. But the tugging at my heart was to do it well in ministry too, and so. I began at University of Southwest Alabama. Two boys all already in school. Stayed with it. Graduate studies in seminary and finally finished up. I remember when I stood for, final, for orals for the doctorate. And that's a scary thing. That's scary. But after a couple hours of that and they ask you all kind of things. You defend everything you've ever written. And that was all over, and, and the committee met. The, and I remember the chairman of that committee coming to me later and put out his hand to shake my hand, and this is what he said. Dr. Willis, that's the first time anybody ever called me that. Said, Dr. Willis, your real education begins today. real life. A long time ago, over a century ago, Grimm's fairy tales came out, and you remember some of those, I'm sure. Snow White was one of them. And in, in Snow White, there is, of course, the story about the magic mirror, and the queen of the kingdom goes to the mirror daily, and she asks the mirror, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? And the mirror replies, O fair queen, you're the most beautiful and fairest of them all. But one day she went to the mirror and asked, Mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest and beautiful of them all? 
And the mirror replied, Oh, fair queen, it isn't you, but Snow White is a thousand times more beautiful than you. And so we ask the question, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest Christian of them all? If I'm going to be the Bible that other people read, that is a question that I need to be. Let's read the full text again, or part of it at least, because I want to give you what, what really is being said here as we open these words. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. That word has to do with not changing. The same as I was yesterday. Not changing personality and not changing my witness or my lifestyle to fit the occasion or the people with whom I'm associating at the moment or those that I may have to do business with so I don't participate with them in some things, I'm the same as I was yesterday when it comes to things of faith. I'm not moved by the swaying winds that toss things one way and another. That word means not changing. It really has a word, has a word somewhat like clinging. It really, it, it's like a, it talks, it, it gives the word picture of a, of a vine that's holding and grasping a wall. Tenaciously, it holds on in wind and storm, in rain and ice. It's still there. It doesn't change. It's not out of place in one situation and another, and so changes in order to feel good about things. We use a phrase these days which has so many meanings, uh, politically correct, whatever that means. It means whatever it means, who's talking right then, of course. And uh, changes, <laughs> changes wherever, wherever we are. But we talk about who we are and we, we, we give a, a message out there. But this means hanging on, clinging, unchanging not out of place at all. I remember as a young fellow before I decided on the princess, and uh, I was still at home, and <laughs> I got caught a sort of sweet on a, a young lady I thought was very special, and and so uh, I was doing the things young boys do, you know, kind of. Been trying to be close to her and sit next to her when I could and walk her home from school some and got real brave, held her hand on one or two occasions. That's an exciting thing to happen, a young fella. My dad said something to me about it. He was teasing, I hope, but he said this to me. He said, Russell, you, you need to find somebody else. And I said, why? He said, well, you, you really don't, that's really not for you over there. 
called her name. I could call it this morning too. But he, I said, well, why? Well, he said, well, it's, uh, they're much better off than we are. You, you know, it's like we talk about marrying up. He said, we don't talk about marriage, but he said, you know, you're, you're, you're dating up a little bit there. I said, well, how do you know that? He said, well, you know that, that tire swing we have out in the front yard under that tree? You know, everybody had those in those days. He said, well, they've got one, but it's a white wall. <laughs> Better stay with your class. Don't get out of place. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest Christian of them all? Whatsoever things are honest. Honest. This is integrity. That means your word is as good as your bond. It means you're going to do what you say you'll do. You sign down at the bottom that you'll pay for that set of tires at the tire place. It means you'll pay for them. You sign that down there and didn't intend to pay for it anyway or, or beat them out of it. There's not a little difference between your breaking in and stealing the tires or signing your line and taking them home. Integrity. Whatsoever things are honest. So that when I tell you something, you'll tend to believe it. I'm the book, you see, that others are reading because they don't have a book other than this one or you where you are. So we have those kind of expectations of people that call themselves Christian and we're often, we're often disappointed by that. And I've disappointed people too, I, I don't stand before you in perfection at all this morning. Much of this is reflection. And I go back to that verse that I read. Notice what it really says here. And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds. What do you think the Christian life is all about? Intellectually, what do you think it is? Why, it's just being holy. Carrying that Bible around where I go. Well, of course, you can, you can really make a statement with that. You know, I see some folks have their Bibles big as a Sears Roebuck catalog. Carry that thing around, won't folks see it. Well, you can make a statement that way. I suppose you can. But ask, ask the mirror... Mirror, mirror on the wall. What reflection do I give? What reflection do I give? This word means integrity. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest Christian of them all? Whatsoever things are just. That word comes from the word equality, or we get the word equality from that word. It means that there is balance. 
We treat people the same out there. We understand there are differences in society. There's difference in race. There's difference in color. There's difference in economic status. But we understand the equality of the soul. Unless I've misread the book, and I don't think I have, it tells me that the Christ that we serve and love died for all men, all men. I felt early on in all the years that perhaps the opportunity might open for me to do foreign missions, and I prepared to do that. Studied the language, went to language school overseas, and was never able to quite go. And I apologize to you for that. But the people that are different than I am are precious people. Precious people. The people that have less than I do are precious people. That homeless man that trudges the street is a precious person. The person who comes unclean and unwashed and smelly is precious too. And we got our word equality out of this. Just. Whatsoever is just. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest Christian of them all? Whosoever is pure. That word has to do with things that aren't adulterated, not mixed in. It really has to do with, the, with metal merging together and alloys, putting different kinds of metal together so, so that what you have finally is pure gold, pure silver. And that phrase is used often both in the Old Testament and in the New. Paul uses it often, often when he talks about pure gold or pure silver. That's the word that's, that's being talked about here. It's not adulterated. It hasn't mixed in that which does not belong in it. You haven't just looked out for those things, but, oh, well, I think I'll do that too and include that in my, in my Christian witness or make it easier for me. If I, if I accept that concept I'll be able to deal with this one over here, which is more difficult. And so, after a while, what are you? A mixture. A mixture of all sorts of things and ideas and concepts. No wonder our lifestyles are all mixed up and we wonder what we're doing. A mixture. That's not an easy lesson to learn but you do the right thing and exclude that which you know is wrong and just select that kind of a lifestyle that is in keeping with this concept of God's purity because I am a reflection and I may be the only book you read so it ought to be pure, unadulterated, you have to work at that. 
Young people, you encounter it so much. The world out there wants you to be just like they are. Mix in their ideas and mix in their concepts and mix in their activities and, and just stir it all together. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Young people, who's the fairest Christian of you all? We learn the hard way sometimes on lessons like that. What to do and what's wrong and what we ought not to be doing. Those are hard lessons, and we grow up to, to learn those things that are called mores in our society, incidentally. Those which are right. Things that are, we're not supposed to do are called taboos. And uh, we learn those, of course, also sometimes the hard way. At our house growing up, I had an older sister, a younger brother. I was in the middle, got blamed for everything, I thought. Younger brother came along real late and uh, and many of you remember Ray, a wonderful person, but he was behind me about eight years, and, and uh, my sister and I were just 13 months apart, but here Ray comes along, and he's the baby in the family, and the problem was that Ray couldn't, couldn't sin. <laughs> so they took it out on me, I thought. Well, we had a peach tree, have several peach trees out in our yard, and, and mother kept one of them well pruned for switches, you know. <laughs> Dad didn't use switches at all. Dad used the Board of Education. <laughs> Not often, but when he used it, you knew it. And he had a, a, a favorite saying that I recall still, and use it on my boys as well, but he said this to us. And I, I remember it well. He said, son, I may not be able to make you do what I tell you to do, but I can make you wish you had. <laughs> they'd, have locked, they'd have locked my mama and daddy both up in jail if they ever looked at my legs at school today. But in those days, that was the proper thing to do. Amen. And... Uh, be careful now. Get yourself locked up before you get out. <laughs> whatsoever is honest, whatsoever is pure, not adulterated. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the finest Christian of them all? Whatsoever is lovely. Now, that doesn't, that's not having to do with with beauty, you know. I have to be careful, and uh, I tell, I tell wife, my wife uh, Dot off this often, you know, when she wants me to, to do something that, that uh, may wear me out, you know, or tire me, or, you know, like taking out the trash once a day, you know, something like that. But anyway, some of those kind of things I tell her, well, you know, I don't want to wear myself out. And she says, you already worn out. Keep oneself lovely. Well, there's two things here there's, that's implied. One is keep the good things. And the other is make yourself attractive. Whatsoever is lovely. Whatever is attractive from the Christian 
point of view. What about me would you like to be? Ask yourself that question. That person out there, what, a, what is it about me that, that they might want to, to emulate or be like? Whatsoever things are lovely. Whatsoever things are lovely. You, you have to pick and choose, of course, what you're going to do. I try to be careful so that I don't mar my natural beauty, you know. But other than that, we have some things we have to be careful about. And these are they. My witness, my reply in anger or lack of anger, my response when someone approaches me with criticism, which comes, my response when someone tells me I didn't make the cut, I wasn't selected in the group. I wasn't invited. Whatsoever things are lovely. Keep the good things. Keep the good things. When the, the pastor asked me to come on board to uh, develop a senior ministry here, I told him he didn't want me on board because I had a different view of senior ministries. Uh, and had developed that over my years in the pastorate and, and, and observation of churches. And I thought we did, most churches have an entertainment program for seniors. Take them on trips to see the leaves and eat at Shatley Springs and go to the museum and you know, all of those kinds of things. And I said, I think we ought to be doing ministry like other parts of our church. And so we began to develop that and over the years we now have 14 very active kind of programs. At a meeting just last week at the association meeting, one of the men that I have known for a long time uh, came to me and said, oh, I understand you're doing senior work at Pitts. I said, well, I, uh, I'm kind of in charge of things over there on, when it comes to seniors. Well, he said, we do a lot of that sort of thing too. We, we, we took all of our seniors to Branson. And we went up to Pennsylvania to see the Amish. And uh, this fall we're going to New England to see the leaves. They said, where are you all going? I said, well, we go to the sharing house and help distribute food. We have our men organized and they go into Charlotte with the pickup trucks and they bring back over a ton of groceries and canned goods every week for distribution to needy people in Cabarrus County. We have a team of people that visit, four teams that visit all of our shut-ins two times a month. We have the ladies that are knitting and crocheting prayer shawls for people with cancer that are being accepted out at our hospital. We have a team of of men that make our visits at the hospital with regularity and faithfulness. We organize a team to go to the Baptist children's home for a whole week of work. And I began to enumerate the 14 things we did. Keep the good things. 
Keep the good things. I uh, receive a, a, a journal. Uh, the name of it is, is Business Inquiry. It had an interesting article of this last issue. It talked about the five things of a um, well-balanced, emotionally satisfied and secure person does. A successful business person with these five traits. And one of them, one of them, it said, don't be a part of a group that has people in it that know you so well that they control you. If you are around someone who knows you so well that they dictate and control your life, move away from them. Well, I thought about that a little bit and still think about it. Goodbye, Dot. Young people, you get around folks that control you. First thing you know, you'll be acting like they are, and you'll be sinning like they are too. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest Christian of them all? Whatsoever is lovely. Whatsoever is honest. Whatsoever is true. Whatsoever is pure, whatsoever has a good report. What do they say about you? If the report card were turned in today, an evaluation of, of your reflection of the gospel, how many of us would just be C average? Maybe a few D's. A sprinkling of F's, some B's, and not a single A because God doesn't grade on the curve. Remember that. He doesn't grade on the average. <clears throat> Whatsoever is a good report. And so all of this, you see, comes together with this ninth verse when he says, and what's you have learned. Finally, brethren, finally, what you have both learned and heard and received of me do. What kind of a life are you going to live? What kind of a book are you going to be for people to read? What kind of an example are you going to portray? What kind of lifestyle are you going to lift up and display? Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest Christian of them all?